2: Good morning and welcome to Collider Dailies. I'm John Algets and I'm joined by the magnanimous. Maggie Lovett. <laughs> I'm going to, I've decided I'm going to start like changing up the ways that I introduce you just to like, see if I can trip you up. Oh, so well, that almost got me.
1: That. So I was like, no, that's not my name. It's Maggie, not Maggie. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Maggie, how are you doing?
1: I am doing good. Uh, ready to talk all sorts of uh, horrifying things today.
2: Oh yeah, we we got some great stuff. But before that, Maggie, you spent this weekend at a film festival.
1: I um, did. Do you want to talk a little bit about that. Sure. I was at Middleburg Film Festival, which uh, is conveniently not too far away from where I am based, uh, and it is a really fun film festival. And I got to see a, a handful of films this year, uh, including Saltburn, The Holdovers, uh, and then. May December and Maestro, which I have plenty of uh, not great opinions uh, of, but the like the biggest thing for me this weekend was getting to meet Emerald Fennell, uh, who I just admire so much, and hearing her talk about some of her uh, interests and kind of ideas when it comes to creating really um, jived with my own kind of creative uh, style. So that was really fun to uh, hear, you know, from a huge, you know, creative um, filmmaker and writer who also does. Does not like outlining uh, was (laughs) kind of a highlight to me because while I am not a pantser uh, I do not like outlines I think it completely kills creativity so it was fun to hear somebody else talking about that uh, and just nodding along like a bobblehead
2: (laughs) I I want so much to not be an outliner but if I don't outline whatever I'm working on just flies out the window
1: I see. I am the complete opposite. I tried outlining a book last year that I had this idea for uh, and I have not touched it since completing the outline because I just lost all interest uh, in the midst of the the planning process.
2: My problem is, is that like I spend I spend a long time like outlining something and then I feel like I have to stick so rigidly to that outline that I lose all motivation to work on it. Whether it's writing, whether it's like, you know, any sort of game development that I do or any movie or anything, it's it's a problem. So I wish that I could pants it a little bit more. I
1: always say I just let the muses take hold of me and take me wherever they're going. Like, I always joke with my creative process. I am not the the creator. I am simply the vessel for whatever the muses tell me to do. Uh, So it's it's a it's a great experience being in my head.
2: (laughs) But speaking of uh, speaking of writing and creative process, we have a creative show to go over today. Uh, do. today we Today we're going to be talking about The Hunger Games getting a stage play. We're going to go over our horror movie hot takes, which I recommend that you guys there in the chat actually drop some horror movie hot takes of your own and maybe we'll talk about them. But before all of that, we are going to first start off our show by talking about Trick or Treat 2, which apparently has a uh, a seat or a a script blah i can't speak today for someone who speaks for a living i sure <laughs> struggle with it sometimes uh <laughs> director michael doherty has said that he has a script for trick or treat 2 and it is apparently looking pretty great he even says that he has a fantastic villain for it uh maggie how are you feeling about this news
1: you know, I am excited for the <laughs> trick or treat fans. Um, I have never seen Trick or Treat, so I didn't know there wasn't a sequel for it yet. It seems like something that should already have a sequel. I am like it really vaguely should've. right. I'm yeah. vaguely aware of like who the villain is because I do walk through Spirits Halloween every year, so I kind of have an idea of who the uh, the scary Halloween villains are for all the horror movies. Um, Would we but...
2: argue that Sam is a villain?
1: I don't think so from what I've seen, but then again, what I've seen is TikTok, and TikTok is really hard to tell uh, if we're just all, like, in love with a villain just for fun, uh, or if, like, they're, like, actually nuanced and, like, complicated and worthy of our sympathy, because I see a lot of sympathy about
2: Sam. Sam is just the childish spirit of Halloween. Like, as as, as long as you are doing Halloween right...
0: You don't have anything
2: to worry about, and also he's just so absolutely adorable, and I just want to give his giant pumpkin head a hug. Um, just I, his head, I
1: his just his head a hug, or like
2: him a hug, and like a little. Well, I mean, like, like he's kiss. like he's like fifty percent head, so <laughs> I feel like when you give him a hug, it's probably going to be majority that dome of his. Uh, but I actually I love Trick or Treat. It's one of my favorite horror movies. It's a yearly rewatch for me. And the fact that it has taken us so long to get a sequel for this is a little weird. It does, as you said, it strikes me as a film that should have had a bunch of sequels by this point. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially because it is so beloved by so many people. But it's good that we're finally, you know, seeing some traction with it. We've been hearing about a potential sequel for over a decade at this point. Uh, But now that we're seeing actually like, you know, he's talking about it. He's like, hey, I've got this. It's coming. I think this is great. There's there's I'm so hyped. I'm so looking forward to it. I want another yearly spooky season rewatch movie. Right now I only I only have about three of them. Uh which actually, Maggie, do you have any like spooky season staples? Any like I do spooky er movies that you watch every year? I wouldn't call them
1: spooky necessarily, but like Beetlejuice I'm staring at a print I have of Beetlejuice across my room um you know Nightmare Before Christmas um I am very basic in my my Halloween I also love the DCOM movies so um Halloween Halloween Town Town. Yeah. yeah Halloween Town Hocus Pocus uh those are my staples I'm very much stuck in the things that I loved when I was like 10 um when it comes to scary stuff uh so there's some other ones that like I'll alternate in, which aren't necessarily horror, but like Fright Night. Um, I like both of those. Um, the Lost Boys. Those kind of movies are definitely on my rotation when it, we get into the uh, the thirteen nights of Halloween.
2: Yeah. See, for me, it's like my big three are the original Halloween. Mm. I just that is that is my favorite slasher series is Halloween. So I love it. Trick or Treat is there, obviously, and then Reanimator. I gotta watch that every year around Halloween. It is fantastic. One of my favorite movies of all time. Um, so those are my big three, and then I watch like a whole bunch of. Those. I watch Evil Dead every Halloween. Usually, like you know, I run through all that sort of stuff. Uh, I I I don't so much watch things like Hocus Pocus. I yeah. used to when I was a kid, but <laughs> I actually have opinions on Hocus Pocus that maybe we'll get to. Oh in no. A little bit. So okay, as long kidding, as you don't, don't diss
1: cupcakes. Binks the Cat, we'll be fine. I will take Binks all... Binks the
2: Cat all... is the least of my problems. With okay, <laughs>
1: so we're good. I'll take all other criticism, just leave the cat out of
2: it. But speaking of exciting things coming, that uh, <laughs> this one is not nearly as spooky. Uh, the Hunger Games is getting a stage play in 2024 in the fall. It is going to be uh, premiering in London. No word yet from what I can see as far as where in London um but it is going to be an adaptation of the first hunger games novel uh done on the stage which you know is a thing that is gonna happen apparently Uh do you feel about
1: this so i'm gonna share my first hot take of the episode and it's not about horror uh but i do not like the hunger games i don't like the books i don't like the movies like i obviously am aware of most things because i did you know grow up in the era of hunger games when everyone was doing their little three finger salute and the whistle and I, i i get it all i know it all um but I don't really care at all, and I get that this is them capitalizing on um, the new movie that's coming out, the prequel, and I have, like, as somebody who loves theater, uh, some really controversial opinions about this need to adapt um popular young adult books uh or new stories within the world of those popular young adult books uh and film franchises for the stage i think it
2: hit, hit, hit us with all your opinions this is a hot take episode yeah opinions, i mean this is this is when we're just gonna anger everybody come on hit it.
1: yeah i just i think it lacks creativity i think that there are a lot of other stories that we could be investing uh you know big amounts of money in, uh, that could then, you know, spawn other stories and other, um, you know, sparks of creativity in people, but I, it feels really reductive and, um, regressive in a lot of ways to just keep retreading over the same stories, uh, and just slightly different forms.
2: So. See, I, I understand that thought and I agree with you to a certain degree. However, speaking as someone who did theater a bit yeah. when he was younger and who like has some experience in that space. I think that as much as, as I said, I agree with you. And as much as I have qualms with like adapting popular things for stage, I think that anything that's going to get people interested in live theater is a net positive. Yeah, um, I can
1: see that. I can definitely see that. Um, You know as a positive
2: you know some some kid might go and watch the hunger games on stage in london next year and they might love it so much and they themselves might go and audition for their school's play and next thing you know they're older and they're performing in you know angels in america or (laughs) death of a salesman or any of these other like sort of stage classics um you know and it all started because they saw the hunger games on stage
1: yeah i mean i do definitely understand that but to that then you know there's the whole conversation about the fact that theater is largely inaccessible to um to a a large demographic of people and then you know that leads to the conversation of you know the the other young adult series that has a stage play in london um is Sometimes quite uh, quite expensive and it kind of takes a lot of people out of the running for having those experiences. So if we're going to, you know, cage this around the idea of inviting young people into the theatrical experience, then we also need to reassess the price point um, because we want everyone to have that opportunity.
2: So maybe this is just like. (laughs) There's a lot of problems when it comes to live theater (laughs) that we are maybe not the most qualified people to solve. Hey, we both
1: have theater backgrounds, so...
2: (laughs) But, you know, fact of the matter is, I get what you're saying. I also get the positives for it. I'm going to hold my actual judgment until it's it's out, and I'm going to hear whether it's, like, well done or not.
1: I have no doubt that it'll probably be good. I mean... The Weston has some of the most talented actors in the world. Uh, So there's no doubt that they're going to act, you know, their butts off.
2: And I mean, like, I'm somebody who enjoyed Evil Dead, the musical. So (laughs) like, (sighs) you know, I'm I'm, I'm here for some adaptations. I guess I can't crap on.
0: Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place.
2: but that might've been my first horror movie. Hot take was that I liked uh, evil dead, the musical. Let's go ahead and get into our, into our hot takes, Maggie. What is your first like big bombastic opinion about horror movies or related media?
1: Oh gosh. I think, okay. So this is, this is anybody who knows me will be like, yeah, that sounds like a Maggie take. I think that more villains should be hot. (laughs) The yeah, first like, I'm, I'm
2: thinking about that because I'm like, aren't most villains hot? Okay. Like, unless they're yes, like a Jason Voorhees or a Freddie, yeah, I think that they aren't should be more
1: intentionally them? hot, like designed to be hot. And then, okay, then I need you to elaborate and give some
2: give some examples. <laughs> give some examples where they succeeded, and some examples where this character should have been hot. Oh gosh.
1: Oh god! Now you put me on the spot. Um, yeah,
2: that's what I, I'm going to do. If you're going to have a hot take like that, you need to you need to defend that opinion.
1: I think monstrous villains, and I'm just going to throw some out there, like like the alien. Do you want a hot
2: Frankenstein! Is that what I'm hearing? I, uh, Frankenstein should be hot. <laughs> well, okay, hot Frankenstein monster.
1: Yeah, hot Frankenstein monster should be hot, and I have faith that Guillermo del Toro is going to deliver with his Frankenstein movie. He is probably. going to give us hot Frankenstein because he understands i'm talking like the shape of water he understands that that monster be weirdly sexy so, it yeah. should be weirdly sexy and i think that we should normalize that that is really what i'm getting at here because i like i know people who are, like i'm not a predator alien movie goer we have established that but people who like think they're hot but then everyone's like that's weird what's wrong with you and so that i think we weird. should we if should you think have a xenomorph a is hot you weird, weird. I know people who do. I will fight for their rights to think he's hot.
2: (laughs) Like, they can think that they're hot, but, like, Um, a predator, I get. If you think a yaucha is hot, I get it. Like, to a degree, I get it. If you think that a a Xenomorph, which is effectively just a, a, like.
1: Look, I'm not going to (laughs) judge.
2: (laughs) <laughs> a, a xenomorph is just a bug version of a word that I can't say on YouTube with that. Yeah, a don't word. say
1: that. Um, um. <laughs> but like, that's what I'm saying. Like, we should we should, like, make them intentionally hot. So people, you know, are less shocked when somebody makes that pronouncement. Um so that's my hottest take. And clearly it's, it's drawn some emotions out of you. So we're going to veer away from, from my hot take. And now no, we're going to stick
2: on this for, we're going to stick on this for, for a second longer. Cause like, here's the thing. Like I get it for something like, like vampires. Yeah. You know? And werewolves. I kind of, I kind of get it for werewolves to a certain degree. There's like a biting thing there. Like I, I sort of get it, uh, but like zombies or like weird space aliens, or, okay, witches should probably be sexy. Also, we need more <laughs> movies with witches as as villains. It Seriously, to me that right? That,
1: there's not a, doesn't there's happen not many. often. No. I mean, obviously, we were just talking about, like, Hocus Pocus. But that's really the last big film with witches that were, like, the villains that I can think of off the top of my head.
2: Because, like, a lot of time when a witch is in a movie, they're either, like the protagonist or they're mm-hmm. a, a a point of exposition. Yeah. Um, or they're somebody that happened in the past, like in Hansel and Gretel, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, then they, they fall into the hag and crone, you know, Yeah. qualifier. There, there's though.
2: there's subsets and like different like subtypes. And like, I could bust out my D&D monster manual <laughs> and we could go into it. Uh, but I'll save our audience a little bit on that one. Uh, speaking of witches, that actually does get us to, my first horror this is gonna be a horror related hot take because as much as i say that hocus pocus is probably a scary movie for kids i don't Mm -hmm. consider it horror it's not and my opinion is that that movie is not worth the praise that it gets and really should have fallen into obscurity where it belongs
1: that hurts i'm sorry the movie is
2: mid at best like it's The only the only halfway decent thing about that movie is probably the witch's actual performances. And outside of that, it's a bland story with bland main characters who couldn't act their way out of a paper bag. They're kids. I get it. But still. And uh, okay, I guess uh, uh, what's what's his face? Doug Jones is um, Billy the zombie. Yeah. That's a memorable part. But outside of that, that movie should have been forgotten by the, the. Isn't Sandra that
1: what term. happens with cult classics They They tend to be fairly mid to like, okay, but something about them latches on to like the generation that like adores it. And that's
2: what. Yes, but I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would necessarily classify Hocus Pocus as a cult classic because it seems like, because like when I think of a, of a cult classic, it's something where there's like a, a minority who's really loud about a movie. Whereas Hocus Pocus, I feel like it's the opposite. Like I feel like I'm in the minority saying that it should be forgotten, because everybody else that I know is like Hocus Pocus is fantastic. And I'm just like I don't see it. I'm sorry. Like it's it's just it was a 90s like kids yeah. horror movie.
1: I guess what why I would like classify it as a cult classic is because it came out in the summertime it wasn't super popular in theaters it actually like bombed in theaters and then when it got its home release and everyone got it on vhs that was when it was like word of mouth kids were really into it and then they started you know streaming it or not streaming it was you know airing it on disney channel when we were kids and then that's when it had like its true like resurgence with the like true 90s babies watching it in the early 2000s and then it just kind of continued on because it was like fun you had like fun costumes and like the the witches had like a cool aesthetic and you know the kids albeit you know kids acting were like fun and the cat and billy like it had the little components that people latched on to and Based their entire personalities around so like that's where i i see it as a cult classic because it had that same similar rise something that failed becomes a fan favorite
2: it's just another example of a movie that is beloved purely just because of the nostalgia of it and nothing to do with the actual movie itself i feel like because yeah. as, you, as you described, it's people who are, like, happy to see it again because they grew up with it. And it's like, okay, but is there really anything else to that movie worth holding on to? I don't necessarily think so. And maybe it's because, like, while I did watch it as a kid, it wasn't, like, a regular rewatch or anything for us. Like, I would go years without watching it. And so, like, it didn't carry the same kind of weight for me as for other people. I don't know. That's just, that's just how I feel about that. Maggie, do you have any, any more hot takes? You got something else for us? Something, (laughs) something maybe a little bit less spicy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Something not quite so hot. Um, I guess my other horror hot take would be, which is hilarious considering we were talking about something getting a sequel. I think that horror franchises are vastly overrated and it, often makes people miss out on like the true outliers that are like one shot horror films that don't need a sequel. And then they inevitably get a sequel because everybody's begging for one and then everybody's mad about it. And then you never hear from that franchise again. Um, so I guess that's, that's a hot take, but that's more just about the entire structure of how Hollywood handles
2: sequels. <laughs> I think that like, honestly, I think that's a little bit of a lukewarm take. At, yeah. At um, I definitely see what you're what you're saying. Like, on one hand, I do love a lot of the big horror franchises. I'm a, like, as I said, Halloween is one of my favorites. I love uh, you know Friday the Thirteenth. I love Nightmare on Elm Street. I love Scream. I love Trick or Treat, which is going to be apparently a, a franchise after this. <laughs> uh, I love a lot of those things, but I also love a lot of the one off horror and i was actually i was talking to perry about this the other day the queen of horror yes to me i feel like horror is where is where the interesting and exciting things are happening in filmmaking right now and have been for a long time because a lot of stories that we're getting in horror are very very cerebral very experimental very uh, like a lot heavier than maybe some of the stuff that we see in other genres. And I think it's just the nature of the genre as a whole. It's able to to kind of put up with some experimentation and able Mm -hmm. to sort of like absorb that into it. And also there's something to be said about horror audiences Horror audiences are a lot more open to weird and like out there stuff. You know, I went to Fantastic Fest a little while back and we were there hanging out with horror folks the entire time. Like, yeah, it was a genre festival, but it's majority horror. Yeah. And so like, you just saw the love every time you walked into a room, like people would be watching something that like nobody's ever heard of. It's probably, it could be, you know, not that good, but everyone's still in there and they're having a good time because they genuinely love horror the genre and the craft that goes into it. So maybe that, you know, there is, there's two sides to horror. There's the commercialization, which is what you don't seem to like. And then there's the, you know, the more explorative, experimentative, you know, side of horror that I think, like, should get more attention. But sadly... You know, that's not yeah. how the business
1: works. You definitely hit the nail on the head with that one because I love Fantastic Fest as well, because I really love watching like the four foreign language horror films, the very indie, low budget, lo-fi indie films that play right. upon all these like horror themes. And I can think of like of a whole list of them over like the last five years or so when I started really exposing myself to them more. And those are the films that like stick with me and make me think and like they're more cerebral and not always just like for the of slasher gore that a lot of like mainstream horror likes to play with. So yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head of where my lukewarm take was going.
2: (laughs) I have one last one, which actually honestly might be lukewarm as well. Uh, Really depending on how you feel about things. I feel like Freddy Krueger is at his best when he is not funny. The problem with Freddy Krueger is that he said a few one-liners throughout the first Nightmare on Elm Street, and that was the thing that audiences latched onto, and the studios ran with it. And suddenly we wound up with, you know, four or five sequels where Freddy Krueger is a wisecracking, like, jokester of a villain. When if you look at him in Nightmare, and to a degree in Nightmare 2, because he, he was still a much more serious uh, villain in that one what you see is someone who is genuinely terrifying, like Mm. genuinely, uh, absolutely scary, just presence. And then as the series went on, he was just like, he's cracking jokes and he was being funny and it just wasn't, it didn't work. Then we had new nightmare where he kind of went back to being brutish and harsh and it worked again. That's probably why new nightmare might be one of my favorite of that entire franchise. Um, but yeah, I just feel like the the jokeification of Freddy Krueger hurt him more than it helped.
1: Do you see that happening with other big franchises as well? Because I feel like uh, Michael Myers has become kind of a, a joke as well as a horror like villain uh, with his walk. I've noticed that becoming a big joke to a lot of people. I mean, there's I a whole running bit on TikTok with that.
2: The thing though is, is that I don't know. In the case of like Michael Myers, I don't. It wasn't intentional. Whereas okay. with Freddy Krueger, it, it was an intentional decision. Thing. Like they were like, we're going to make, he's going to be cracking jokes and he's going to be a wise ass. And that is what they built his character to be. Um, and I just didn't think that it worked as well. I think with I think that when it comes to stuff like Michael Myers' walk or like people joking about how like Jason can teleport or whatever, <laughs> like I feel like a lot of that is more memification okay and it's like not a
0: it's not like it's the not the fault thing.
2: of the film okay necessarily um yeah i don't know that's just how i feel about freddy krueger and that's probably why out of the big slasher franchises for me nightmare is probably at the bottom it's i still love it don't get me wrong but hmm. it's of the big ones it's my least favorite um but, yeah, that's just that. Uh, yeah. So with that, we're going to close out the show. We're going to leave it off. We've been going for uh, quite a while. That was a big episode. Uh, we
1: had some strong opinions.
2: Oh, yeah. No, and it, it's great. Uh, I love angering people on Twitter. <laughs> um, but... If you guys have any hot takes, let us know what they are down in the comments or, you know, hit us up on Twitter. Whatever it is that you want to do, you know where to find us. We're floating around the, the interwebs. Um, and, yes, I'm going to say Twitter and not X because it's never going to be X. I'm sorry. It's just not. <laughs> um, but, you know, get us, get us your own thoughts. I'd love to open up a discussion about it. Maybe you think that more villains should be hot uh more power to you if you do but anyways we will be back tomorrow where maggie and i will be talking about stuff i don't know we'll figure it out things uh it'll be fun uh but until then guys and gals and non-binary pals have a good one